Well, it's Christmas time and we're all in that same boat right now in different uh, levels of it, of course. We're in the different levels of some of us in this room just realize, oh my goodness, I still have about 17 gifts to buy. Some of us haven't started at all. And then there's others of us in this room that maybe, maybe you are, you were done like December 1st. Anybody, anybody realize that before you could even think about Christmas, there was Christmas stuff out like back in August. Like you weren't even, th- you were just trying to survive the rest of the summer, get your kids back to school so you can take a deep breath. And they were talking about Christmas and you're like, wait, what? But those are for those early birds. There's always an early bird out there, right? Raise your hand if you know an early bird or you are an early bird. One of those two. Some of you, some of you are like, no, I don't like people like that. Raise your hand if I don't like people like that. <laughs> some of you are like, I'm getting my gifts like at midnight, the 23rd, you know. But Christmas is interesting because it's, as we look at the holidays, we realize that there are so many elements taking place and we often get wrapped up, pun intended, on a lot of the things that really pull our attention for the reason why we're doing this, right? Stressing people, stressing people really uh, kind of coming down on themselves for not getting a better gift. But the thought, I don't know about you, but the thought to me that someone thought of me, regardless how wonderful the gift is or not so wonderful, the fact that they got you something really matters to you. Anybody ever been in that boat? So what happens is we often get caught up in this hustle part of Christmas and the busyness of it. And like I explained last week in part one of this series, Unwrapping Christmas. Unwrapping Christmas. We oftentimes, just again recap just for a moment, we often leave gifts at the feet of Jesus because we're not willing to come and get it. We're so busy trying to get everything else that we forget to get the gifts God has for each of us. So it's time that we unwrap, pun intended, unwrap Jesus in the midst of this season and reimagine what it looks like to be a follower in this season. Now, Jesus coming to earth was absolutely mind-boggling for those that really understand the context of Jesus. It's mind-boggling that God will send his son and that his son who is, who is uh, perfect and upright in all his ways. How many agree with me? Jesus was perfect and upright in all his ways. Okay. So we can come in agreement that Jesus was perfect and how many can come in agreement that we're not? That's the other hand, right? It could be both. Jesus is perfect. I am not. That's both of them right now. And that's how we get to Pentecost. Right there. But God incarnate. God in the flesh. That is the point of Christmas. God in the flesh. So let's unwrap for a moment the best present of all. And allow me to ask this Question. I believe we'll have it up on the screen in a moment. But what do you think Christmas means to someone that has never heard of Jesus Christ? 
What do you think Christmas means to someone who has never met or understood who Jesus Christ is? All they know is this. That's all they know. They know Santa Claus, reindeer. They know all the el- they know all the all the reindeer. They know about the elves and all these things, but they can't tell you who Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John is. They can't tell you. They can't tell you that because they've never been introduced to the true meaning. Why we're doing what we're doing right now. I don't know about you, but I find myself having to realign exactly recalibrate kind of what Pastor Corey was talking about. By the way, Pastor Corey, I want to hold that illustration so I can do it later. That illustration. So just pass that over to me when you get a moment. I'd like to do that illustration. That was a great illustration, by the way. We need to realign our thoughts, don't we? So let's get a, let's get a, re, uh, a reimagined moment. Can we, get it? Can we capture that for a moment? What does it mean to someone who's never heard of Jesus? Maybe someone who lives in a far off region, living in a hut somewhere. They never heard of Santa, they never heard of presents, they never heard of trees. What about those people? Right? Not just the people that never heard of Jesus. What about the people that never heard of trees or Christmas or any of it? Well, what does Christmas mean to them? I'm talking about the people who don't have running water or food in their bellies. And live in a remote village in, this, in, in the woods somewhere in, in this world. What does Christmas mean to them? And does it still align with hope? So Christmas means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yes? Yes? Let me tell, for, for, for instance, merchants, people who sell things, right? Store owners, CEOs of companies. Uh, this is the busiest possibly the most profitable time of the year because people are just spending money they have and money they don't right some of you are like pastor don't preach that right now (laughs) stores are open longer hiring people is a priority because that they accommodate all the shoppers and then extra hours that are they're open for Uh, lots of profit employees need christmas bonuses we hope right for many teenagers and adults, it's about buying a gift, that perfect gift for that someone. And, and next thing you know, it's over. And all of a sudden, we have this Christmas high and then Christmas slam. When that's all said and done, does it still mean something to you? Because whether we're buying gifts or not, Christ is the reason for this season we're in. Sometimes I got the feeling that we're like the folks that decided to throw a party to honor a very special friend. And what they did was they decided to get the guest list around. They bought all the stuff. They decorated the town hall. They put all these things in order. They lined up all this music and uh, festivals type stuff and, 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 and the festivities of the event. And then when they realized, when it was like, all right, let's surprise them. And then they look at each other and they go, you call them, right? No, I thought you were going to call them, right? No, I didn't. I forgot to. I thought you were... And yet they had this big party for someone and they never notified the actual guest of honor. 
Friend, I'm here to tell you that if you forget Jesus in all of this, we're just like those people that have thrown this big party and we forgot to invite the guest we are to honor. So unwrapping Christmas is really, in essence, a moment of honor, right? It's a recognition of who the Savior of the world is. And in some, um, some remote places of this earth, there is no Savior in their mind. But what about the most of us in this room that have already heard of Jesus? We can get caught up in that as well. Is that right? So I want to talk to you about the gift of life. The gift of of life. So do we go through the process and the motions of finding out that Jesus Christ is the, not just the savior of the world, watch this now. He's not just the savior of the world, but he's the savior of my world. Somebody say amen. I hope he's the savior. If he's not the savior of your world, then you're in the right place. Because it is not just at Christmas that we recognize the savior. Unwrapping Christmas is a time to dive into the ultimate remembrance of what happened years ago. So watch this. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Media team, stay with me. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. If you have your Bibles, turn there. I encourage you to see it with your own eyes. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. I'll give you a moment to find it. Tap or turn to Luke chapter 2 with me. I have both, by the way. I can tap and turn. Got a double blessing up here. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. The version I have is the Christian standard up on the screen there. And you can read along if you do not have your Bible with you. And it reads like this. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born. Say it with me, ready? For you. Say that with me. For you. This is very important. The Savior was born, not for this or that. For you. Did you know that Jesus came for you? How amazing should that feel? That he left his throne in heaven for you. For you. For you. In the white sweatshirt, you. In the red sweatshirt, over here, you. With the nice hairdo, you. You. He came for you. It doesn't matter where you came from. That's never in the text. Why? Because who was he talking to? Who was he talking to? He was talking to shepherds. Now I'll explain more in a moment, but watch this. The Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favored. Now, I want us to look at this for a moment because God made the announcement to shepherds. Shepherds. Now, what does that mean? Well, shepherds were not exactly the top shelf and top tier of people in the community. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But after all of that, he chose to announce to shepherds first. This should be encouraging to every single one of us in this room. Especially those who feel downtrodden and feel like you are second class or somehow in some way, shape or form an afterthought of God. There's not a person listening to me right now in this room, online, listening to the podcast right this moment that look at me is a second hand thought of God. Not a single one of you. Someone else might have thought of you second, not God. He sent his son for you. When he introduced the, 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 the birth of his son to shepherds, he set a tone for the rest of the world to know it doesn't matter if you think you're elite or people think you're elite. It doesn't matter if you've sinned or made mistakes in your past. It doesn't matter your economic background or whether you are up to date on all your bills. God is not looking at that. He's looking at your soul. He's looking for people that are looking up to him. Somebody should rejoice on that one. Come on, somebody. Y'all getting quiet on me. I'm going to preach longer. I'm telling you what right now. I'm so glad that he thought of me when I didn't even think of him. I'm so glad that he thought of shepherds before he thought of kings. Did you hear that? He thought of shepherds. He didn't tell Herod. He didn't tell the Pharaoh. He didn't tell anyone of authority before he told the shepherds. Now, now listen, I'm not, let's not get it twisted. He told the prophets of old. I'm not not counting them right this moment. He told them years. He told Isaiah years, hundreds of years before. But at this moment, God incarnate, who did he tell first? Shepherds doing their job. They're mediocre, medium, below, probably below poverty level jobs. They were not exactly well paid, were they? For those of you that don't know, the answer is no, they were not. Some of you are like, I don't know, you're the pastor, tell me. No, they were not. Yet God's angel came to them and said, unto you, born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ, watch this, the Lord. Amen. You know, the struggle every Christmas and Easter is how do we get a gauge for a story that is so common And yet not move away from the original text and not try to be so creative that we create (laughs) wrong theology, right? Let's make sure we come back to basics for a moment. He spoke to shepherds, 
Raise your hand if you knew that he spoke to shepherds. Most of us knew that. But I would challenge you to think about this for a moment. That the shepherds were not exactly the top tier job held in the community. It's not the top tier level of authority in the community. Now that's unwrapping one that I will not soon forget. That's an unwrapping of a thought that God loved us so much that he didn't care if they were of people of prestige according to people on this earth. He was loving enough to share it with shepherds just as quick as he would with kings. The difference is what? The kings were so busy with all that they had, the shepherds were, were, were willing because they didn't have. And that is often the case with a lot of what we experience in the Christian world today. Is that right? A lot of people think that, well, that person has so much. They're so blessed and, and this and that. They, they must really love Jesus even more. Well, the truth is, is there's a lot of times I've met people that have a lot of money and they have no love for Jesus. Because they have so much already. They have no need for Jesus in their eyes. But the people that I've met, that's some of the most tender people. That's not to say that just because you have money, you don't love Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's a remnant. There's a lot of people that tend to go that way. But there's some people that have all the things that they need in life. And yet they still love Jesus. And I love to see that. But by and large, there are many whether in this room or watching online, that some of you are just going paycheck to paycheck, trying to just keep afloat during these dark times. Can I tell you? I want to tell you there's a gift of life, and that life is found in Jesus. That it's not about the big gift and not about the disappointing. I, I want to listen. I'm just like you. Where in moments I want to give my kids some of the best gifts I could ever give them, and some of, sometimes I think of gifts I can't afford, and I try to figure out how I can still get it for them. Anybody ever been there? Parents, you know what I'm talking about? Your love for your kids goes so far beyond. You're like, man, I'm going to give them everything. Come on, how many ever heard this before? I want to give my kids everything I... Right? That's the love of a parent. That's the love of a father, love of a mother. That, that love of a parent, that overseer. But if you miss this part, if you don't tell them why, we're in the season that it's not about this. That it's about this. Then what we're doing is we're investing in the wrong stock. Because this stock will plummet. Just like the box. Remember when, when your kid was tiny? Some of you remember this. I remember when my, when my little girl, my boys was tiny. You give them a gift and they would play with the box more than the toy. And you're like, that's a very expensive. No, the toy's right here. Come, come, play with this. And they're like putting the box over the head running around and you're like oh that's fantastic I should have just got you a box hello y'all laughing because you know it's true right you're like fantastic wrapping paper yeah enjoy that it's pretty yes fantastic they wrap themselves up in the corner they don't know what they're doing but how different are we we get caught up in this the shiny stuff that we forget the real gift that is Jesus. I've been there. So I want to tell you a couple of things this morning that I think are very, very important. And that brings me to my first point. You are important to God. Why, why is telling the shepherds first matter? Because God was making a statement. Watch this. You are important to God. Even if you're not important to man. 
Even if you don't hold prestige, title, or influence in the community. You with me? Even if people don't look at you like you look at you. I know I got more uh, in my life. I know I have more in me. I know I have. Yes, God sees that. And that's why he told the shepherds first. Because he saw something in them. And that was the willingness to see him. No matter how significant you think you are or you don't think you are. God knows you and you're important to him. Come on, tap your neighbor real quick. Tell him, God thinks you're important. Come on, tap someone behind you. There's no one next to you. Tap someone behind you. Tell them God's important to you and you're important to God. Right? Some of you just woke up. Good morning. I didn't expect that person to tap me. I don't even know you. All throughout scripture we see God honoring people and using people we last thought we would. Yeah? You ever read something in scripture you're like, wow, God, why'd you use them out of all people? That's what they said. God, why are you using me out of all people? That's what I said. When I was 15 years old, I came to Jesus. And I realized in my life without him, I started to kind of put it together. That without him, I really wasn't anything. I said, God, why me? Why would you die for me? Why would you love me? I've done so much wrong. Some of you are like, well, how many things could you have done wrong when you're 15? Wait till my book comes out at some point. (laughs) I don't feel like telling you those things right now. But there are a few. Dozen. Hundred. So, what I'm saying is that God so loved the world that he gave his son. So the shepherds like you and me would know. Because some of us in this room, we, we can possibly uh, look at ourselves and go, you know, God should have ignored me. But he doesn't. So let's look at this for a moment because the Apostle Paul, how many think Apostle Paul is someone worth listening to? Yes. Well, he writes this in our First Corinthians. He says this, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world and what is viewed as nothing to bring nothing what is viewed as something. In other words, he uses the nothing to tell the something that there's something going on. And you have nothing to show for it if you don't have Jesus. Listen to the podcast or something later to get what I just said. Because it's a little long. But Jesus is the something that is revealed to us who are nothing without him. Think about it for a moment. There was a young Jewish boy sold into slavery by his brothers. Carted off to Egypt. Yet when God wanted to deliver a very special message to Pharaoh, who did he use but the slave Joseph? Okay, not enough. When God decided to select a mother for his son, he went straight past the fashion area, straight past all the models and beauty parlors. He went past the fur and the diamonds and the gold and found the peasant girl who wasn't dressed in designer clothes 
She didn't have a high education. In fact, she was probably 14, 15 years old. And he went to her and said, this is whom I'm decided to put my son in. And you will carry the savior of the world. He didn't choose the one that donned the fur coats. He didn't choose the one wearing the diamonds and the gold and the fanciness that was of the day. But he went to who? A little peasant girl who just wanted to go through life. And there she stood carrying the savior of the world. God says through Paul that foolishness in the eyes of the world is mighty in his kingdom. Come on somebody. First Corinthians one twenty five. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. <laughs> and the weaknesses. Or rather the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. That is not to say that God has weaknesses. That is to say that the weak. Those that are weak that follow. God can use them for the glory of his name. So I say all that to say first, you are important to God. See, if God cares about the sparrows and the lilies, then he cares about you. If God cares about the shepherds, friend, he cares about you. And on this Christmas, pre-Christmas Sunday morning, we will be, by the way, we will be gathering next Sunday, same time, same place at this very moment. But the Sunday before Christmas... It's always that special one because we're leading up to that beautiful time. But again, I ask you, who can benefit from such a word that God would give his first announcement to shepherds? Who, who benefits from that? Well, I tell you who, the unadopted children in orphanages, when they're watching other kids get adopted and not them. I'm talking about the single mothers trying to make ends meet. I'm talking about struggling families who live paycheck to paycheck. I'm talking about the lost souls who are struggling with addiction and feeling like just coming out of it, there's no one that loves or cares for them. I'm talking about the husbands and wives that are trying to work things out. Or maybe you, you lost a spouse this year to death or disease or some sort of ailment. I'm talking to Christians who you go to church, but you feel useless and you feel empty. Those are the ones God was talking about when he says, I want to tell the shepherds. And he told and declared to the shepherds who are out in the field doing what they normally do. Can I tell you something? All of us have had feelings of rejection. All of us knows what it feels like to be left out at some point. All of us have had those emotions and those thoughts. But Christmas comes and God, sh- God shines this light upon us, telling us there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. And I'm going to tell you there's a gift of life and that life is in Jesus Christ. Somebody give him praise in the house. Come on, somebody. Come on. That gift of life. I want to tell you it's not just for them, it's for you. I'm not, I'm I'm here to tell you that it's not for just the elite. It's for you. It's for you, you. 
I made, uh, it's like God was saying, I made this announcement to shepherds so that you would understand that the Savior was born to you. Take care of him. Embrace him. Understand him. Get to know him. Come on, somebody. Visit him. Why do you think the star led to Jesus? Because God wanted people to visit the sun and see with their own eyes. Just like that this morning. I'm telling you right now. There's something about coming to the house of God with with brethren and sisters and coming together. And we want to see Jesus move in lives every single week. Can I tell you something? Don't ever think that there's a substitute for that. Don't ever think. I'm grateful for the online presence that we have, but there's nothing like gathering among believers on a weekly basis saying, God, I thank you for your son and you chose the shepherds and you chose me to know you. How great is that reward? How great is that hope? How great is that love? How great is that life? The gift that Jesus gives all of us. Somebody give him praise. Come on. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. There's something about this gift of life. And my second thought is simply this. The, your life matters to God. Your life matters to God. Not only are you important to God, but your life matters to God. That means the thing that you live every single day matters to God. Not only you, but your life counts to God. So you count and what you do with your life counts. Imagine those shepherds who sat around the campfire many, many times wondering, man, you think we'll ever get a chance to know? There's a good chance that probably a lot of them sat there going, the Messiah may not ever come in our lifetime. There's people right now in churches that they're going, yeah, this stuff happened around the world, but Jesus, the whole fact that Jesus coming back is just a a figurative term. It's a symbol. No, no, no. Can I tell you something? Jesus is coming back. He's coming back physically. He's going to bring his church and he's going to come back again. He's going to return. Be aware. Understand he's coming back again. And he's coming back for a spotless bride. What does that mean? Your life matters to God. What difference does it make if we watch the sheep or not? He may never come in my lifetime. Well, what if he does? What if he does will you be ready because he's coming back he came once as a baby in a manger but I promise you this the second time he comes back there's no manger involved and he's not going to come as a baby he's going to come as a conquering king looking for his army of people that have stood up bold before everything that stood against the things of God who stood and said God I know I could have backed down I know I could have done things differently but I stand here believing you understanding that Jesus Christ will come back again and here you are thank you Jesus that you did not forsake me or leave me Amen. your life is worthwhile some of you thought to yourself, what difference is it if I get up in the morning? It seems like my life is an endless cycle of things that really don't mean anything. Is it worth living this life at all? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because some of you will feel uncomfortable with that. And I don't want you to feel uncomfortable when it comes to that. But I do want to tell you some things that matter. And here it is. 
Some of you feel like you don't matter to God. And I want to tell you, you do. You do matter to God. You see, every life matters to God. And we got to know this, that it is impossible to live life without God. Life without the one who brings life is not life. It's just a show. It's a hollow version of what this life is meant to be. So somebody say this. My life matters matters. to the God of all creation. Now, I want to tell you something. Your life matters. And, and, and I don't know how many of you remember this, but there was a guy. Uh, some of you remember. How many of you remember Bubba Smith? Bubba Smith. Anybody? Some of you are like, I went to school with a Bubba. Okay, no. This is, I'm talking about Bubba Smith right here. Show me this picture here. Bubba Smith. Remember him? Some of you may know him from uh, Police Academy movies. Right? Hightower. Yes. Lieutenant, I believe. Hightower was his name. Big, empowering presence. Big guy. Played 10 years in the NFL. In fact, 10 years in the NFL, he, he uh, was drafted number one overall the first year that the leagues united and they did a draft. The AFL and the NFL united. He was the first to be drafted. Number one of all the NFL history. He was the first one drafted. Can you tell why? All right? So... After 10 years in the NFL, he retired from football. Bubba Smith started to make a career of himself more so than football, past football. So he started getting some acting gigs. And one of the things he did, he did started doing a commercial. He started doing commercials. And he was the guy who tore the top off of beer cans and engaged in the argument whether it was less, less filling or taste great. So there's a picture here. Some of you remember this. Taste great, less filling. Taste great, less filling. Some of you remember that. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's okay. Follow along. Well, there was an article that came out, the same Bubba Smith, that post, uh, post-football career, he won a Super Bowl. And uh, after 10 seasons, retired and started doing acting gigs and shows and commercials. This was a commercial that he's really known for, great taste, less filling. And an article came out that Bubba Smith had never, ever, watch this, never, ever drunk beer. I'm going to go a step further, ready? Drinking of any kind of alcoholic beverage just wasn't part of his life. As he advertised, it felt good about the job. You know, he was, hey, it was good money. They paid him well. He's a towering figure. So he took this commercial because it paid some bills. They paid him well for it. As he said it, it paid good salary. Until one day he went to Michigan State. In fact, it was his alma mater back to Michigan State. He went back to Michigan State and uh, he, was, he was the grand marshal of the homecoming parade and he was riding on this big limousine and all of a sudden he was expecting to hear NFL champion, NFL champion, Bubba, yay, Super Bowl, you know, all these things. You know what they were saying? Great taste, less filling. Great taste, less filling. This is what he was being remembered for. So here, he accomplished all these great things. Number one overall, Super Bowl champion, 10 years in the most, uh, the most uh, influential league and controversial but, uh, sport in history, right? Football's very, very mainstream, right? And so what is he being remembered for? Great taste, less feeling. That kind of made him scratch his head a little bit, so he moved on. He went back to college campus another time and there was kids that were drinking and they were plastered 
And they were looking at him going, great taste, less feeling. Drunk out of their mind. And you know what he stopped and said? I no longer want to be a part of that. Because that's what I'm going to be remembered for. So the man that never drank his entire life was being remembered for great taste, less filling. Why? Because his name was attached to that product. What product is your name being attached to? You see, Bubba Smith never drank. But that's what they remember. And so he told himself, he refused to sign. When it was time to renew, he refused to sign. He said, I will not sign. And I will not keep that voice in his head. He said in this interview, in this article, he said, stop, Bubba, stop. Because he didn't want to be remembered this way. You see, people around you are affected by your decisions and the things that you do. Even if you yourself say, I don't do that or I don't attest to that. If your name is attached to it, friend, people will attach you to it. There's a story about a a church that kept records of various happenings. And in fact, uh, one of their programs through the year, like many churches, they did baptisms. Right? They did baptisms. And in this baptism, there was one entry. Watch this. They stated this. And I quote, not much happened this month. We had a few baptisms, but they were all children. One of those children baptized was someone by the name of Tony Campolo. Who is Tony Campolo? He, be, he later became an ordained minister and evangelist, presently serving uh, and, and serving in many capacities and in different uh, boards. But he was recognized by so much mainstream evangelicals and whatnot. And he was one of the most influential speakers to ever hit the city of Philadelphia. He was one that later founded the Evangelical Association for Promotion of Education. And in November 2012, Tony Campolo received a Lifetime Achievement Award. And the Achievement Award said this, Award of Lifetime Achievement is proudly presented to Tony Campolo, who has defined and courageously pioneered what it means to encourage, care, and lead students. And later in this thing said this, As a result of Tony's life of ministry and leadership, he has left a legacy of encouragement and hope to youth workers and students everywhere. But somewhere in some church basement, There's a book that says not much happened this morning in this baptism except for just a few students baptized. Why? Because you never know who is listening. You never know who is paying attention. Are you following what I'm saying right now? You have to understand something that, that not much has happened. Can you imagine what it looked like? Let me, let, me, let me go back to the story for a moment. Not much happened in the city that day. Oh, I can remember there was this young lady who was pregnant. There was no room. And so she gave birth. Get this. In a manger. Not much happened that day. Can you imagine somebody's, somebody journaling that day? That's a normal day here in Bethlehem. Not much happening. There's a bright star. Seems to be moving quite rapidly. But other than that, not much happening. Oh yeah. This lady, this young lady and her husband 
they wanted to stay in my in my inn, but there was no room, and I just gave them my manger. And she actually gave birth there. That must have been disturbing, huh? But that's all we had. Can you imagine? That was where the Savior of the world was born. I say all that to say, look, you matter to God, and your life matters to God. Amen. Let me say this last thought here. And here it is. Are you ready? Your faith matters to God. Your faith matters to God. Shepherds were men of faith in a lot of ways. There were some that had faith, some that didn't. But they probably had more faith. These that were looking probably had more faith than some of the scribes and Pharisees that didn't show up. Hello? They interpreted the star and they understood what was going on. See, they chose to follow God without fanfare, without all the extracurricular things. They, they didn't have the name, they didn't have the, the, the letters after their name. You know what I'm talking about, right? You ever met somebody that they want to reassure you that their name is doctor such and such? Right? Hey, Mr. Steve, it's Dr. Steve. Uh, that's what I wanted to get my master's so badly. I told my wife, I want to get my master's just so someone can call me Master Tony. She's later informed me that that's not how it works. So I dropped out. So <laughs> I would imagine that on that day, there's a lot of people that might have missed the star. Maybe they were focusing on things that really didn't matter as much. Now, make no mistake, I love gifts. I love Longhorn Steakhouse. I love all these different things. And there's not a single one of us that in this room that would say, if, if I had one gift that someone could give me, that you'd probably think of something. This is not about anti-gift. This is more pro-Jesus. Do the gifts, do the celebration, do the food, do the fun, but do, do the Savior. Don't forget to unwrap who Jesus is. And I, and I challenge you when you're around the table for your Christmas meal this week, whenever that is, and you sit around the table, I challenge you to ask the question, to your children, to your family members, cousins, aunts, uncles, whether they come from out of town. Don't bring up politics or religion. No, bring up Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? What does Christmas mean to you? And you're going to get different answers. And maybe some of you are like, no, I'm not going to bring it up. You don't know my family. If not your family, then at least somebody that is influential in your life. Please, don't exit Jesus from Christmas. Exit Jesus and exit Jesus are two different things, by the way. Don't remove why we do for what we do. Unwrap Christmas and the true meaning of it. Let the Messiah come. Let him come. Your faith matters to God. Listen, there are times that I I think to myself, am I doing the right thing with my life? 
Am I making a difference? Maybe, maybe I should... All the problems and all the things of this world, am I really preaching something that's worth... And then someone comes to me and says, if it were not for that word, if it were not for you, if it were not for this church, it gives me a little hope that when Jesus comes back, that quite possibly he might be proud of those that follow him and do his work every single week. Because there's a good work happening here, amen? There's a good work happening here. Because we're bringing Jesus. And friend, I tell you this, is it worth all? It is worth all every moment to serve him so I want to conclude with this thought for a moment we need to be encouraged during this time to bring hope to people and I don't ever let the left hand know what the right hand is doing too much with you guys but we continue to bless people as a church and if you you yourself know someone that's either in a dire straight dire need for Christmas please let me know Email me, message me, text me, something. So we can help, possibly help somebody. But more than anything, would you offer hope from your own life? Don't expect just to bring them to church. Pastor, I'm going to bring them to church so so you can tell them hope. That's fine. That's great. We encourage you to invite somebody. In fact, next week, can we fill the house? What if everybody in this room right now brought one person, just one, next week? Pastor Tony, it's so hard to get you. I know, but why don't you just invite them and let them worry about whether they're going to come or not. But invite them, right? Some of us often think, well, they're not going to come. How do you know? How do you know they're not having that soft moment where the Holy Spirit soften their hearts and they can come here about Jesus? But if anything, if anything, share Jesus with your own family this week. Amen? Amen. Studies show again and again that during this Christmas season, more than, more than not, those that invite find people to say yes. More often than not. I'll leave you with this thought. The angel came and unveiled to the shepherds the truth. Friend, God wants to reveal to you the truth of Jesus as well. The king has come. The king has come. And he's come to bring hope for every single one of us. Amen. Amen. Can I invite you here and at home, would you bow your heads with me for a moment as we take a good look at our own lives for just a moment and reflect and relaunch for ourselves unwrapping of life. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the good news that is Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we're reminded today about the true meaning of life and unwrapping it. They wrapped Jesus on that morning, on that day. They carried Jesus back home. They showed him off. This baby that will later become our savior. Father, we too want to take and show off Jesus every day of the week father help us not to live this christian life on sundays alone but to go far beyond sundays and mondays and tuesdays wednesdays and throughout the whole week may we unwrap jesus and unwrap life every way we can 
It is in the name of Jesus we pray. And Lord, we realize the importance to pray in your name. Amen.